you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. I'm super excited to dive into today's topic, but before we do, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by the Mastermind Parenting Membership, our exclusive private year-long mastermind. In the mastermind, you're going to find a tribe of smart, determined, and sometimes even slightly rebellious parents who all happen to have something in common. We all have at least one strong-willed kid. We're a group of trailblazers. We believe that everything's figureoutable. We learn how to laugh more and yell way less. We solve problems. We have productive combos instead of lectures that always fall on deaf ears anyway, as you guys know. We're a group of action takers. We don't allow ourselves to stay stuck living in a home that feels like we're walking on eggshells. Life's too short for that. We dig in, we take action, and we figure out what's coming up for us when our kids are pushing our buttons. We also learn to see our kids differently and how to speak to them in a way that they can actually hear without the constant fighting and dictator type behavior. We change patterns that have possibly been in our families for generations. We become the happy problem-solving parents and people we hope our kids will grow up to be because you can't teach what you don't have. You got to do it first, guys. The doors are officially open and we're enrolling for the Mastermind Parenting Membership February cohort group. So if you're ready to get the coaching, support, training, resources, and accountability you deserve to finally take your family from surviving to thriving, I want you to join the mastermind. Go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash February and apply for the mastermind. There's an option to book a free call with Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y on my team if you want all the deets to determine whether the mastermind would be a good fit for you. It's mastermindparenting.com forward slash February. Giant things are happening in the mastermind. So if you've been a podcast listener for a while and you are ready to have some accountability and experience a community like you have never, ever been involved in, then come apply for the mastermind. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, episode 98. My name is Randy Rubenstein and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. Hi guys, how are you this week? Uh, I want to talk about the most destructive discipline tool. Uh, but before I tell you what that tool is, what I want to tell you is, is that I'm guilty of it. You're probably guilty of it. Our parents were probably guilty of it. We've had many teachers that have been guilty of it. Uh, it's something that is this 
insidious tool that has been practiced within our society. And so what I want to tell you guys is that you are not alone if you resonate with anything I say today and all change begins with awareness. So just listening to this and if anything resonates, talking about it, having conversations today, uh, being honest with yourself about it will help to elicit change, like collective change. And I have a feeling you probably know what this tool is, but I just want to leave you hanging for a minute longer. I'm going to tell you a little, little something, something. So the other night, just like two nights ago, our youngest son was doing what he seems to do all the time these days. He's 13 and he has just started to want to uh, be really social with his friends. He's always been kind of hunkering down close to home, spends a lot of time with his dad. Uh, they play a lot of things together. They go do fun things. My husband's kind of a man child. So They've always done lots of things together. He's always liked hanging out with me. Um, he's a lot younger than his siblings. So I have eight years between my oldest and youngest child. And so once his older siblings kind of hit teenagehood, he sort of has, I think, felt in a lot of ways like an only child. So he just has always kind of hung out with me and my husband. And in the last, my glasses just dropped. Um, in the last, I don't know, maybe six months or so, he has just gotten really into friendships. So over winter break, he's been just having lots of plans. He's got this little posse of boys and several of them live close by and they ride bikes together and they uh, just have a nice little, just nice, a nice little thing going. Nice boys and they just, you know, they kind of almost do it like kick it 1970s style where they ride bikes in the neighborhood. Sometimes they go from one house to the other at night. Um, I know all the other parents. It's just sort of this nice thing that works. And, but it's been getting out of hand. And especially towards the end of winter break, he keeps pushing it where he wants to spend the night out multiple times. So I've had to put down more rules and, you know, we're not going to have multiple sleepovers night after night after night. You need to give yourself a chance to recover and just having to like really lay down the law more with him than I ever have had to do before. And he does not love it. He's not even used to it. And so he seems to just like, I mean, he's really been our, our easiest temperamented kid all along. And as he starts to get into these tween years, he challenges us the most. Like he will not take no for an answer. And there's some badgering that goes on and there's some different things. So what I've realized is, is that we just have to firm up the rules and, and, and be clear and have more structure and set expectations and do all the things that like I'm sort of overdoing because I have, you know, a 21 and an 18 year old, like this has always been my super easy kid. And now he's entering these teenage years and he's like, yeah, guess what? You have to still show up as a parent and provide all the structure and the pack leadership and do all those things. Sorry, your job's not over. It's almost like he's basically telling us that through his behavior, which is a little bit of a pain in the butt, but we got to do it. So the other night 
he had spent the night out the night before and now he wants to spend the night out again. And I said, no, you had a sleepover last night. You may not have another sleepover. So he starts to do his thing. He starts to lawyer up and negotiate. And I'm like, it's not happening. So he starts to then do the parent peer pressure. You're the only one. Everyone else is allowed to have sleepovers on multiple nights, yada, yada, yada. And I, I was like, okay, sorry. That's the deal. I'll, I'm willing to let you have a late night. How He says, how late of a night? I said, um, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> and he said, which this is really part of the productive conversation, you guys. You want them to solve their problem. So I don't know. You tell me. He's like, well, I don't know. You're the parent. You're the one. I'd rather just spend the night. So he starts going. I said, I said, well, how late would you like to stay out? And he's like, as late as I can. You know, he's going back. It's like I say something and then he raises me. So my husband walks by and, um, and I said, how late is Corey allowed to stay out? And my husband always goes low. He's like uh, 945. And Corey says, 9.45, that's not, that's ridiculous. Like it's already 7.30 right now. Like, no. And so we're like, okay, well, how late do you want to stay? And so he says, he says, uh, midnight. And I said, well, if you stay till midnight, that means one of us has to like go and pick you up at midnight. And, uh, and, and we're not on winter break. We have to work tomorrow. And he's like, well, and I said, wait, Plus the fact that midnight, and then I like got clear to it. I said, your sister, up until last year when she was a junior in high school, I said, she had an 11 o'clock curfew. As a senior, she has a 12 o'clock curfew. So you're telling me as an eighth grader, you think you should have a, a 12 o'clock curfew? He's, he was like, mom. And I'm like, your sister had an 11 o'clock curfew until last year. You think you should have the same curfew in eighth grade as your sister as a senior in high school? He looked at me and he said, mom, all you have to do is tell me what the rules are. But when you talk to me like that, and when you compare me to my sister, and when you say it in that rude voice, it really makes me mad. It really feels terrible. That's the tool, you guys. That's the destructive tool. What was I doing in those moments? I was shaming him. I was mocking him. I was shaming him. He was asking for something. I was saying no. He was pushing, I got annoyed, and then I start to shame him. How dare he ask for the same thing as his sister? And I use that mocking voice, and it's, it's actually bullying. And I like hear him because he is like, he's such an example of what a healthy human who knows how to communicate and has such a clear sense of self should know he is that example. And he immediately called me out on it. I didn't even realize that I was doing it because you know what? That probably happened to me many times over the years. And so that's what sort of came online naturally for me. 
And I didn't even realize I was doing it. But since he, thank goodness, has mostly been raised without that shaming tool, he was quickly able to identify it and he had the confidence to stand up for himself and to call me out on it. And he called me out. Frankly, I felt like he did it assertively, but he did it respectfully. And so I immediately said, I'm sorry, you're right. You're a hundred percent right. All I needed to say was you may not stay out until midnight. Your sister, your sister stays out till midnight and she's 18 years old. And when you're older, you'll be able to as well. And your curfew is 11 o'clock and we'll be picking you up at 11 o'clock. That's all I needed to say. I'm sorry for doing that. So I think that this, this shame piece and the fact that it came online so naturally for me kind of got me curious. And I read this article not too long ago by Elizabeth Gilbert, you know, the author of the book, Eat, Pray, Love. And she wrote this whole long Facebook post all about something called tribal shaming. And I thought it was really fascinating. And basically she says that our tribe of origin, right? So it's our family, our community, the people that were raised by and shaped by and programmed by that, that they are the ones who basically tell us who we are, right? In, in unspoken terms, our tribe tells us what to believe and how to behave. And she says, each tribe is governed by its own rules. These rules constitute the honor code that defines every tribe's essence. No matter what the tribe, these rules are always sacred and must be sacred because without these rules, the collective will fall apart and without the collective, individual people are doomed. And so she goes on to talk about how there's certain unspoken rules of a tribe. So it could be, she said, like maybe that you, maybe your tribe are religious fundamentalists and you realize that you didn't want to be a religious fundamentalist. Or maybe you come from a tribe of abusive alcoholics or people that are numbing out and you're a person who doesn't want to, you grow up and you become a full-fledged adult and you're not a number and you're not a drinker and you deviate in that way. She said, maybe you come from a tribe of people. Like I know a woman who was telling me recently that she has a lot of shame because she comes from a family of academics and overachievers and she is a yoga teacher and that's not considered, you know, that's not considered a, a, an acclaimed career to have within her family, within her tribe of origin. So she had a lot of shame about that. And she felt like the, the members of her family would constantly say things, demeaning things. Or maybe you come from a family, a tribe of, um, you know, working class people and you are in, you've, you've, you know, you're grown up and, and your life is one where you find yourself in a different kind of socioeconomic level. And so they're constantly saying things like, oh, she thinks she's too good for us. Oh, little miss, blah, 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 such a snob. Um, so it could go the other way where they act like you're Miss Fancy Pants, 
right? And so all these little nuanced ways of sort of, you know, putting you down is really the tribe's way of saying, you are not one of us. You are not seeming like you're one of us. You are breaking the rules of the tribe and you're doing things differently. You're deviating from the tribe. And since we all as humans have a sense of belonging, that a need to belong, right? When we get these little nuanced bullying ways that tell us that we don't go with them, we don't belong, it feels terrible. It feels terrible. And so quite often what people will do is they'll self, they'll subconsciously self-sabotage, right? So maybe it's the, the person who comes from the alcoholic family, they have never had a desire to drink, but then all of a sudden they go through a hard season in their life as a, you know, 40 year old and they are like, you know what? I feel terrible. Like, just give me something to take away the pain. And they find themselves starting to drink at 40. And really it's a subconscious sabotage because they're going through a hard time and it feels all alone and they want to belong with the group. It's really kind of interesting. Like I've known people who, um, who started smoking as, you know, full fledged adults. Like I'm like, really like, if you start smoking as a full-fledged adult, like, huh? Like, it's one thing if you get into the habit when you're like a teenager without a fully developed brain and you're trying to like fit in and be cool with the other teenagers. But like to start smoking as a fully-fledged adult seems kind of crazy. And it, I think it's a lot of this tribal stuff that goes on. And so I think this tribal mentality is interesting. And I think the tribal shaming is very nuanced and hard to identify. Um, but one thing that she said was she said, you know, when you deviate from the tribe, you'll be punished. And sometimes there's like, they'll excommunicate you when you, when you, you know, they'll shun you and they'll disown you. Um, but sometimes it's much more subtle. She says, if you dare to leave the tribe or if you dare to challenge the tribe, the weapon that they most likely will use is shame. Shame is the most powerful and degrading tool that a tribe has at its disposal. Shame is the nuclear option. Shame is how they keep you in line. Shame is how they let you know that you've abandoned the collective. Violence may be fast and brutal, but shame is slow. It's still brutal. Shame's like a computer chip that the tribe implants into you in order to be able to control you and make you suffer so that even when you're geographically far away from the tribe, they can still flip that switch and make you feel the agony of guilt over having betrayed them. So they, and they may say things like, now that you're a big fancy city girl, you think you're better than us, don't you? Now that you've got a college education, you think you're better. Now that you don't drink anymore, you think you're better. Now that you've lost all that weight and you eat so healthy, you think you're better. And then she says, um, she says that, that they'll remind you, oh, she says that they'll mock you and then they'll brush it off saying, hey, don't get so upset. We're just joking. It's all in fun but it isn't all in fun. Like that's what I was doing with Corey. Um, your sister, I was mocking, I was joking. And I, and I was subconsciously doing this to him, didn't even realize it. And he called me out on it. 
which I think is pretty awesome. But this is how it goes down. So like the shamers don't even, like I didn't even realize I was shaming him. The shamers are quite, are doing it without even realizing it. She says, it isn't all in fun. It's dead serious. And it's potentially deadly because shame makes people sick. Shame can literally take years off your life. At best, it just makes you terribly, lingeringly sad. Your tribe of origin is letting you know in no uncertain terms, you are no longer one of us. So I want y'all to be on to yourselves if you are accidentally using shaming with your kids and uh, if you have felt this way in your life, you know, chances are if you're listening to this podcast and you're learning new parenting tools and maybe you're a person who like many people who've told me that they've listened, they listen to the podcast for like a year before they actually start taking action. They sit in passive consumption. It's like just these new ideas are starting to, to, come into your into your brain you're letting them into your ears they're starting to resonate you're maybe um feeling attracted to some new ideas but it feels too scary to take real action so you're sort of sitting in passive consumption for a while before you are ready to make a move and and what i want to tell you guys is there may be more to that story it may feel like it's really uncomfortable to all of a sudden do it differently than the way you've done it and the way you've surrounded yourself with other people who do it that way, the way that you've been doing it. So it might be your family. It might be the friends that you've surrounded yourself with. And then when all of a sudden you start learning a different way and you're with, you know, the other adults in your life and they all start to talk badly about their kids or complain about their kids or yell at their kids or, you know, bond over, over how difficult kids are and how awful they are. And you are quiet. You, you're, you don't want to do that anymore. You don't want your kids to be raised with that going on in the background. And then somebody says, why are you so quiet today? You know, you, oh, Randy knows what we're talking about. You've got a blah, 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 blah. Remember when he did and they'll try and suck you back in. And so when you are the first to start to open yourself up to a new way of doing things, I want y'all to know tribal shaming can definitely come into play and it can feel lonely and it can feel painful. And it's super important for you to find as you embrace this new philosophy for raising kids that just feels better for everyone and allows kids to come to their next chapter in life feeling healthy and whole and worthy and as they, you know, deserving to be loved just for the exact little human four-leaf clover that they were born to be. As you start to embark upon that, I want y'all to know it's really important to surround yourself with a tribe, a tribe of people who get you. It doesn't mean you have to uh, separate yourself in the sense that you can't be a part of your family of origin or the friends that you've had for many years. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to like ditch them and get a new tribe it, at all. It means that you need to add to your life and just add some new people to your life 
that are in alignment with this new philosophy. You'll learn tools to be able to, to keep many of the old tribe mem members in your life and set boundaries and establish a new way of being treated and lean into the discomfort of them not being happy about it. Because trust me, when you deviate from the tribe, they will try to shame and shun you, but you'll learn tools how to combat that without necessarily having to, you know, X them and box them out of your life. So I want y'all just to, just to kind of be aware of this. I wanted to put it on your radar and, um, and that's what I've got for you. I'm glad you are here. I'm glad you're listening to the podcast. I'm glad that you're a part of this tribe because this tribe I believe is doing some pretty big, powerful things. And the more of us that are here, the more powerful we are. I'm glad you're here. Have a great week. Have you read my book, The Parent Gap? Have you listened to my book, The Parent Gap? I doubt you've listened because my publisher hasn't released it yet on Audible. However, I have the audio version of The Parent Gap that I would love to send to you. You can download it at mastermindparenting.com forward slash book. That's mastermindparenting.com forward slash book for your free audio version of The Parent Gap. You're welcome. Bye.